0: for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb.
2: Welcome into Batter Up, the week of June 22nd. Coming to you, Caleb Johnson, here with my co-host Joe Patrick. Joe, how you doing today? I'm good, man. It feels like
0: June 22nd has really snuck up on us here. I think it's partially because the Braves have just been mired in this... 500-ish or just slightly below 500 for so long now it feels like the season isn't really changing but the calendar is moving uh and we'll definitely talk about how it's time for the, the bracing to turn it on man they need to get this re- engine started like right now
2: yeah i was about to say you you talk about the date of the year like not really feeling like it is we both have Uh, Other responsibilities outside of keeping up with the Braves, you with Atlanta United, me with the Hawks. I'm not used to the Hawks playing at this time (laughs) of year. So I think, yeah, I think my calendar and my internal schedule is very thrown off in the fact that at this point of the year, we're used to only having, you know, Atlanta Braves and Atlanta Hawks. I mean, excuse me, Atlanta uh, United to talk about. Yeah. And yet there's a third team in the mix, and they seem to be taking up a lot of my time here recently. But uh, well, and you're, I, you're also
0: right. Go ahead, though. Well, I was going to say we were talking about this off air for just a second, but it feels weird because, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm an Atlanta sports fan, too. So, like, when the Hawks are playing, I'm, like, invested. I'm watching the games. I'm reading the recaps. I'm, like, you know, like, preparing for the games that they're going to play next. So that's also kind of getting getting woven into my brain load um yeah so it, it's been an interesting couple of weeks here these last couple of weeks
2: yeah definitely and and to the point that I think you were about to head into is that I mean it's 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 time for the Braves to step up because we aren't that far away from you know the Braves being one of the main only main things to talk about sports wise in this city and Hadn't been a whole lot of, of good to talk about as we've clearly the last few weeks. Uh, I, th- I think you and I have kind of joked off there also about going to title our our podcast clips that we go to post, and it's like I'm running out of phrases <laughs> yeah. to do with roller coaster because yeah. that's honestly like that's all that's all it been that's all it has been leading into this point. Obviously, the Braves coming in playing two double headers. Back to back days. I mean, it just has to be absolutely brutal. Uh, And the Braves split in true roller coaster fashion: lose one, win one; lose one, win one. Uh, I mean, what have you seen out of the last few days?
0: Well, let me put it this way: you know, it's it's tough. So I I was doing some number crunching. I think Mark Bowman was kind of the first one to kind of point this out a couple weeks ago. But I've been tracking it a little bit these last this last week or so so the for the Braves to get to 90 wins now at this point in the season they need to go 56 and 35 the rest of the way that's a 615 winning percentage the winning percentage that they needed before yesterday's doubleheader was 612 so while all, it almost feels like a win yesterday to to split a doubleheader against the Mets especially in when one of the games you're going up against Jacob deGrom yeah. that's that's actually not good enough for the Braves like the Braves need to start winning three out of four winning two out of three consistently like throughout the rest of the season and it it's hard to see it going that way right now so it, it I'm just kind of caught in between two minds because when I think about these last couple games where they've played four games in two days um You kind of see it as a win for them to have split both of those series. You know, the first split got them the series win against the Cardinals. And then obviously, we just mentioned yesterday's split, but also splitting series or doubleheaders, like that's not good enough. 500 baseball is not going to be good enough for this team to get to where they want to go in the postseason. Now, maybe they don't need to get to 90 wins. Maybe like this is going to be one of those crazy years where there's like not a 90-game winner in the division, but I doubt that's going to happen. I think the Mets are going to get up there, um, and I, I think they're only going to improve. The Braves are fortunate that the Mets do have the fewest amount of wins. They have the lowest, worst winning percentage of any division leader in Major League Baseball right now, so they've got that going for them, but you can't, you can't kind of count on that um, to stand up for the rest of the year. So, yeah, it's just... We have to kind of start to hold the Braves to a higher standard if we expect them to be a team playing in the postseason, and if not, then we need to adjust our, our lens and how we look at this team.
2: Well, so what I I think one of the things I was about to ask you, and you kind of answered it for me, is that ninety win threshold is that to win the division or to just make the postseason? I mean, what I mean right now, na- right now the Braves are closer to the
0: division lead than they are to the wild card lead or to to a wild card spot.
2: Yeah, which which is scary because I, well, and I think it's something though that we really did discuss though, knowing, you know, knowing how the the in uh, West looks this year, like you're it's it's win the division or miss the playoffs most likely, mm-hmm. and that's it seems like that's where this team is headed. So it is kind of by answering one, you are answering the other. This team has to win the division. Which would take around ninety games. Which oh, if you are not keeping up, the Braves are currently thirty four and thirty seven, which is a good old forty seven point nine uh, winning percentage. Not uh, not good enough. And and you are telling me we you are telling me the Braves need a sixty what percent 615, winning percentage? Six fifteen. The rest of the way. Only one team
0: in baseball has that so far right now in the league, and that is the the best team in baseball right now by record. Is the San Francisco Giants? <laughs> yeah. If you had money,
2: that is insane. <laughs> that is yeah, absolutely. Well, I was going to say, like, that's the, the thing with them is like, it's one of the where did they come from? Because right. like we knew the Dodgers, we knew the Padres, we expected those two teams to be duking it out, and it's like, oh, by the way, it's uh, it's the Giants' turn. You know that they're coming back around this year to to sneak up on everybody, and and like I said, that they, that NL West is going to take up. The playoffs, yeah, right?
0: exactly. Exactly, because the Giants are so good now. You've got both the Dodgers and the Padres just occupying both the wild card spots right now. So I think that the Braves, if you're if you're the Braves, you got to look at okay, it's going to be easier to catch the Mets than it's going to be to catch any of those three teams. You would think, unless the Giants. I mean, the Giants could definitely fall off pretty precipitously at some point, but they've already you know established such a big lead at this point. It would have to be a pretty pretty drastic fall for them. So you have to think that they're going to continue to be in it at least for. A
2: little bit until something drastically
0: changes. So it's um it's it's well, an interesting
2: season. And, and I think I I heard Chip Carey say this in the broadcast yesterday, and I and I do think it holds true uh that we're gonna find out a lot about this Braves team here over the next week or, yes. or what is it? Two weeks? Uh yeah, just, just a week. Is they're in the middle of the series with the Mets where, you know, just split a couple of, uh, or split a doubleheader, excuse me, and then you see this team again. And so, if if you're going to build some momentum to win the division, it's going to happen now against the team who's probably going to be in your way of winning the division. And so, if you're just splitting the series, or if you're, heaven forbid, losing a series, then... It's over with, and I and I think it's one of those I've, – I've heard a lot of people that, you know, I, I get sometimes in a bad habit of being Eeyore. We joke about it, mm-hmm. and, you know, being very negative, but for months now, I have called this Braves team average, and everyone, I feel like, has tried to tell me why that was incorrect, and, oh, you know, you just hadn't – you haven't seen everything come together yet, and it's like, okay, we're almost at the midway point and everything hasn't come together yet, and while it's great, and I do want to talk about here in a minute, you know, uh, Kyle Muller, you know, and what we saw in the past from Tucker Davidson, and you know, these younger guys who were stepping up, who were having good performances, and while it's great that, you know, that Freddie's hitting the ball again, and it's great that Ozzie is, you know, hitting home runs, and, and, and you're getting some production back from places that you weren't getting earlier in the season it's still not completely coming back together and you're still win one lose one win a couple lose you know like like still back and forth middle of the pack and overall just uh uninspiring baseball yeah you know I've kind of
0: compared the way that this Braves season has gone recently to uh, there's a phrase like in golf when you're playing in a scramble, it's called like ham and egging it where it's like when, uh, you know, when, when one person is driving the ball well, but they can't putt, you've got a partner who can make all the putts, you know, and so together you can you can have this you know great round or whatever. And yeah. the way I, it's been the complete opposite with the Braves this season where it's like. One aspect of the team is like almost driving the team to losses, whether it's the offense not being able to put together a, a good, you know, a good performance when this when you had a good outing from a starting pitcher or when the when the offense scores a bunch of runs, then you blow a, a blow a save. I felt like it was that was illustrated perfectly in the the pair of eight, 10 losses that you had to the Red Sox. I mean, when you score eight runs, you should win those games like 100 yeah. percent of the time. Um and to lose back-to-back games, to lose two games in which you scored 16 runs combined, that is, thats that's got to be just, like, devastating to the morale, you know, first of all. But also, it just shows that, like, I think I think the reason that it's so detrimental to morale is because players are like, oh, man, like, we score eight runs and the bullpen blows it. But that's not – I'm not saying, like, it's always the bullpen's fault sometimes. You know, we've seen recently – actually, in a couple of games they've won – one nothing. Thank God, Ronald Acuna Jr. Is <laughs> at home runs. <laughs> yeah. But other than like, if that hadn't happened, like there was nothing. So, um, it's just been really, really frustrating season when you look at it like that. Like we're just you can't kind of get all the cylinders firing and allow yourself to really get on a uh, get on a run and and
2: vault yourself into a different kind of stratosphere of the season. Well, and let's also go back to that Boston series, and something that if the Braves. Didn't need anything. It was any type of extra off-the-field controversy or whatever you might want to call it. But it happened after that Boston game where Brian Snicker calls out Ronald Acuna for trying to extend a double into a triple in the ninth inning. Called it a stupid play. Something that Acuna can't do. And, like, I mean, just really went in and it it took off uh, in probably a less than ideal way in that you know Braves fans and then a lot of other media were saying, hey, you can't say this about your your team's best player. And I think also people were holding on to the fact that in Brian Snicker's statement, he he called Freddie Freeman the MVP. Like you have mm. the MVP coming up to the plate, mm. and uh, you know people were pointing out the fact that well, Freddie Freeman's no MVP this year; that he's last year's MVP. I'm curious, uh, what was your thoughts when when you heard what Snit had to say? I think you know, and I'll let you go too. The first
0: instinct that I had, or when I started seeing the reaction, I think more than anything, I was frustrated with the reaction that was happening because same. I feel like a lot of people just like there, there's. I'm not trying to be like pompous, like media person here, but w- when you're in a press conference, um, there's context at, in that press conference, and the context here was that Ronald Acuna Jr. did make a mistake in the game. Like he should not have gotten thrown out there. He said that he shouldn't have gotten thrown out there. Uh, you know, because he, he was in the press conference later on. Um, and overall, it was a very frustrating game uh, that followed a very frustrating game the night before. We've talked about the, these two eight ten losses. And to me, the way I saw that was that was the last thing that happened in the game that just made Snit mad. It was the first thing he was asked about. And so he was just emotional about it. And he and he said honestly, you know, he gave you a raw, um, gave you a raw quote about how he felt. And I think that, you know, when you look at this season, the Braves have made lots of those stupid mistakes. And those are the kinds of mistakes that, you know, no matter how good a player is, you know, when you make those kinds of errors, that's not going to be a team that, wins titles we saw it last year you know in the playoffs last year Dansby Swanson made a terrible mistake I, I don't know what Brian Snicker would have had to say and I know that a lot of people were referencing a quote that Brian Snicker had about Dansby Swanson from a few weeks ago saying that he was just like a he, similar situation and he was just like hustling being aggressive trying to make a play and that's not what he said here but I really just think this was a case of a lot of emotions boiling over uh and then they just this kind of event and, and the circumstances around them allowed it to kind of just spill out of snit naturally. I think that if he would have had a break, if he were to have talked to you the next day, he would have phrased it differently. He would have been a little bit more sober about it, but I kind of appreciate the fact that he was kind of so raw with his, with his answer. And I don't think that there was any malice behind it. And that's the frustrating part of it to me. Cause a lot of people did take it that way.
2: Yeah. So I think just being, you know, it's one of those laying it out there as it is. A lot of people looked at old white man Yes. complaining about you know <laughs> his black player not you know doing the right thing and and like there were a lot of those things that got pushed into the scenario look honestly how I looked at it was it was Brian Snicker calling out his team's best player for doing something that your team's best player should not do why did he not have the same thing to say about Dansby a couple weeks ago I think it was context different scenario in the game and where Ronald Acuña essentially ended his team's chances of a comeback in that specific game and you're right Snit was hot because he's you know people want to critique his his managerial decisions about the bullpen and i think Snit looks at the bullpen much like i have at least this year where it's like i have so many guys on the team guys that got to play mm-hmm. and if guys can't play then it doesn't matter who i throw you know i'm not going to throw will smith out there four nights in a row because he's the only good you know uh bullpen pitcher i've got like i gotta have other guys step up and if i don't we're not gonna win and this all this whole thing doesn't matter Mm -hmm. and so i think you add poor bullpen performance which i think that night was aj mentor and somebody else i can't remember now it's a week ago (laughs) uh but then you throw on the fact that acuna ends the chances for the team to have a comeback and yeah i I get him being frustrated and i get. Him putting such high expectations on his team's best player. Which, it like it doesn't matter that Freddie Freeman won the MVP last year. Ronald Acuna is the best player on this team. And it's one of those things that I, it, it has to be so frustrating for Snit to live with. Because he knows that same style of play out of Acuna is what helps win this team games. Mm-hmm. Like that that aggressive, that, you know, uh almost childish like I believe I can make any play anytime is such a incredible quality that Ronald Acuna has. And it's even something that smack the microphone. Uh it's even something that got referenced last night. I don't know if you have that audio pulled up, Joe, but with the Braves Winning one to nothing in a in a highly you know a, a super close game in that doubleheader against the Mets, Snit talked about the fact that Acuna playing like a kid is what makes him such a great player.
0: Like I say, he's like he's in the backyard every night. You know, it's 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 no no stress. Nothing. I mean, he's just in the backyard playing ball. You know, he likes playing ball, and I would too if I had his skill set. I'd love to be out there every day.
2: See, so you're getting Snit, who... Now, this is what we hear more often than not from right. Snit talking about Ronald Acuna. Right. Is the fact that, you know, uh, that he's out there. He, he's playing like he's in the backyard. Like, it's just... It's effortless. It's fun. It's a... It's truly a game for Acuna. And when sometimes, probably, that needs to be put in check a little bit. And there needs to be a little bit of a reminder that, hey... It is a game. It is fun. However, you're getting paid a lot of money. We're all getting paid a lot of money to play this game to win. And, you know, and if you're if you're preventing the team from winning, then then we got to, you know, we got to get things in check a little bit. Uh so, yeah, yeah sorry for the long it's, rant. It's,
0: yeah, no, no. Uh, this is good. You know, what I the reaction that I was looking at seeing on Twitter after this happened, it seems to me like people are not necessarily critical of the point that it was a mistake. Like they, like they actually agree that because it was, it was so clearly a mistake. You know, you have the tying run coming up to the plate in Freddie Freeman. Um, You have to be on base for that. Um, But the, so the, so the criticism is that you just should never criticize a player with the hall of fame potential quality that Ronald Acuna jr. has And I just totally disagree with that. You know, I think that honestly, sometimes those kinds of players are the players that can take some of that more harsher critique, especially early in their careers when they are still, you know, smoothing out some of the nuances in their game, some of the game situational awareness, that kind of thing. You know, I think that that's clearly going to be something that Ronald Acuna Jr. learns from. I don't think he'll make that mistake again. I think that, you know, again, there was uh, there's been criticisms of Ronald Acuna Jr., for this, for some of these kinds of things, there was one in the I think it was in the postseason, um, or it actually happened before the postseason in 2019, and then again in the postseason where he like was wasn't running say, out of the box and stuff, yeah. and um, and then was like I forget what happened in those situations, but it wasn't good for the team. And
2: it was running hard to first, I think was the the issue. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and you know, well, so, and, and and these are all you know these are different situations, right? But I think yeah. that just in general, all of these situations point to a player that has you know as much talent as we've ever seen in baseball like he literally could be one of the all-time greats like among the best of the best by the time he retires um but he's still a young kid and he's still you know just needs to go through some of these things and i think sometimes you know these adjustments are 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 the right co- not adjustments like like i'm talking about like a kind of a stiff correction from the manager can be actually a positive thing in the long run, it feels to me like people are just worried that Ronald Acuna Jr. is not going to be able to withstand this kind of criticism from his manager, that he's got like such thin skin that he's going to start you know, making a fuss or be become unhappy, maybe want to leave the team or something like that. I think that that's kind of the ultimate fear of Braves fans and why they don't like to see this kind of thing happen. Uh, but I don't see that at all. Brian Snicker praises him all the time. 99% of the time, he's talking about how he's a generational talent. And he's and the Braves, you know, one of the Braves' best players. Um, and you know, whenever that's said, there's
2: nothing really talked about because yeah. that's what you well, expect. Because we, yeah, because we all know that we all go to expect that. It's also a big part of this is this doesn't get said and the blowback doesn't happen if the Braves are winning. I mean, you know, yeah, totally, this totally. It, it totally gets brushed over. Like part of the frustration of losing is being very critical on moments like this where you're like, man, we really needed to get this game. And now we had this happen. And it's like, you know, and I, I get the idea of like, come on, like it, we need, you know, we need to catch a break somewhere. And there's also another side of this, which is the people who are critiquing, uh, what it had to say are also seeing Atlanta sports get a bit of, a facelift or a change in that Hawks have a new, head coach, and they're winning right mm-hmm. now. The Falcons have a new head coach, and the idea is that they're going to go back to winning. And so it's almost like, oh, we need to get up out of here because the Braves aren't winning, and that's all this team needs is a change in manager, and everything's going to get so much better. And it's it's always one of the biggest things that that uh, me and John Chuckery go back and forth with time and time again. Is that you know you're not just going to make this change and everything's going to get so much better, uh, but these things happen when there is frustration about um, what's going on in the season and and not winning, um, <laughs> and then uh, go ahead. It looked like you were going to say something.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say in that game in, in that game where you criticized Ron Koenig Jr. Nobody also nobody made a fuss when he also I for, I don't know if it was AJ Minter or Shane Green in that game, but they both were bad out of the bullpen. And yeah. he said he came at I forget again I forget exactly which one it was, but he was like they didn't execute pitches like we got to mm-hmm. execute pitches there in those situations. Nobody made a fuss about that, well, even though he's criticizing someone's direct play of the game.
2: Yeah, I was about to say so. I was I was in that press press conference, and the first question he got asked, he said you know we didn't execute pitches you know bullpen was bad um you know Acuña with that play uh you know he he listed some things out It was like four things he listed out and then the follow up question was you know specifically asking about the uh the tag out that happened with Acuña and so then yeah. he gave yep. the quote that went so it was like also, context there. If you heard the whole thing, like you're saying, then it would make a little bit more sense. Uh, and that's also under having to understand how those press conferences goes with that group of guys who ask Snit questions, who most often will ask him about the same thing two or three times. Because if you know Snit, you know, a lot of times he'll give you a, yeah, that's a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you ask him again, and he'll give you a little bit more. You ask him again, he'll give you a little bit more. Uh, and that one just happened to be the one that gets clipped and uh, gets shared and gets Braves fans really angry about
0: um, and I would say, that, again, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I think if you ask him the next day when he's not so yeah. riled up, I don't think he phrases it exactly, you know, saying stupid. I don't know if he would actually say that. Maybe he would. I don't know. But I think that he was just hot in that moment. And he gave you the raw, varnished truth of what was on his mind. And I, honestly, I feel like a lot of Braves fans, when they probably saw Ronald Acuna Jr. get thrown out there as well, they were also probably thinking, that was stupid. Why did you do that? You have Freddie Freeman coming up. So, you know. I, again I feel like people want to almost I almost feel like people want to make a lot of it because they would prefer Snit to not be the manager um yeah. in general so like this is an opportunity I don't know maybe it, that's a cynical look from me but
2: Well it also still fulfills it, it it you know my I don't know if it's a hot take my sneaking suspicion whatever it is I st- I still stand on it Joe that I think Snit retires at the end of the season mm. I think this I still think this is the type of season where that happens, where it's just like, this has been fun, but man, is this a lot of work. And you know, it's one of those uh Samuel L. Jackson, you know, I'm getting too old for this. Yeah. Or no, not Samuel L. Jackson, wow, uh, Danny Glover. Um, of you know, I'm getting, getting too old, old for, for this. Me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I I honestly I think that's kind of I think that's where he's at. And so it's one of those, um, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. you know f- fans and other media because it doesn't always get better you, you I mean you never know you know it's one of those you don't know what you have until it's gone it's mm-hmm. I Braves are fortunate Braves are fortunate they have Ron Washington kind
0: of in the wings yeah. if that something like that were to happen but you're absolutely right like you don't know which way something's gonna go when when a big move like that well.
1: happens okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you
2: And I was about to say, and and to kind of continue this same idea, is Charlie Morton after um, – because I was, I was there Thursday yeah. for the Cardinals game where Charlie Morton, incredible performance, uh, gets to go out into the eighth inning. Charlie Morton, 37 years <laughs> old, is pitching in the eighth inning of a game. And he said in the post game, I'm so thankful to play for a manager like Snit who – when he came out there to talk to me about, can you, or it was in the uh, is in the dugout, can can you go out into the 8th? He was like, he looked me in the eyes and he was listening to me. He, ha, he didn't make his decision up in his head, talk to me, only to tell me, no, you're done. Like, he listened to me and I went back out there and he was like, he, he essentially said something to the effect of like, you don't see that anymore. Yeah. And I also respect him so much for it. And that comes from Snit yep, being a, an older manager, being a player's manager, and a guy who, as much as um, analytics are such a big thing, is still one of those guys who is like, let me look you in your eyes mm-hmm. and and you tell me if you can do it. And, and he went out there and... It you know didn't necessarily go his way, but it was still an, an incredible performance from from Morton.
0: Oh, well, it's a great anecdote because it really does point out what really truly is uh, like a quote unquote players manager. It's not just like a, a manager that I feel like it, lots of times you think a, a certain manager is a players manager jo- because he goes Joe into a, because he goes yeah. into a press conference and he's like, oh shucks, you know, and he never criticized a player and that kind of thing. But yeah. really, that 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 moment that you just described or that Charlie Morton described, uh, that's really the moment that determines whether. A manager kind of is more on the side of, you know, listening to a player and taking his whole self into account, or if he's kind of more driven by numbers and other other strategic factors, so... Um, that's a good anecdote and he also had some great stuff to say about the, the whole foreign substance issue I know we talked about it a little bit last week but I just certainly did not expect Charlie Morton to go out there and have his probably his most dominant performance of the season um, in these conditions After... where players are getting rid of all this stuff considering he spins the ball more than probably any other pitcher in baseball
2: yeah that was uh, so I saw I posted his postgame little excerpt from from Morton talking about foreign substances on Twitter Because I, I mean, my jaw dropped when he started getting into it and, and leading into the fact that we're having the wrong conversation. And I was like, (laughs) yes, 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 we are. We are having the wrong conversation. You know, it's one of those, why is no one asking why guys need this stuff to be able to, to pitch, you know, to be able to have grip. And it was like thank you. Like, oh, you know, someone with some sense here. <laughs> and I loved it because I posted that quote and I had somebody in my mentions being like, ah, you know, th- these players continue to cheat and the media just, you know, just sucks it up and, and excuses it for them. And I was like, eh, okay, of course, you yeah. know, I uh, gotta, gotta love that guy. Uh,
0: if, but it- <laughs> if, if if they were using substance to take spin off the ball, like if they were using like a Vaseline or something that made the ball knuckle, that would be a different story. But just hoping them grip the baseball is not that there are people who are kind of wanting to talk about the foreign substance in the same way we had you know the conversation around steroids happened in terms of, you know, aiding a player and being able to improve their performance. But to me, these are these are different different things yeah. and we've heard you know we, it, it's really telling when you hear guys like Pete Alonso and other hitters who talk about the fact that they don't even mind it that much yeah I, I know we kind of had a lot of this yeah. discussion already not to rehash it all but uh yeah that, that was great stuff from well, Morton there
2: and it was also interesting too because under the new rules that were implemented yesterday the Braves are technically a part of history because Jacob deGrom Gram who pitched against the Braves yesterday was the first major league baseball player to be checked for foreign mm-hmm. substances. Uh, yeah, that was something that happened where, and, and you saw, um, it was right before he went to pitch in the first inning, the, you saw an umpire walk over and, and he, he didn't even, he didn't even square up his shoulders to Degrom. <laughs> he, he looked at him from the side. He, he did one of those. Hey, Hey bud. Uh, uh, Yeah. I, I, gotta I gotta check you. Yeah. I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta check you. And so, and it was funny because so the Mets uh, crowd starts booing. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. and DeGrom asks, like, okay, what do you need to see? And so hands him the ball, takes off his cap, and then they pointed to, because they have to manage, uh, the umpires have to check belts. Oh. And so DeGrom was like, you want me to take Start my pants unbuckling? off right here? Yeah, so he literally pulls the belt out of the loop and has to show him the inside of the belt now i saw when they they stuck a camera on um uh mind is blinking who pitched yesterday uh against Mueller? no before Muller or excuse uh, me ian, after ian anderson ian anderson yes there we go sorry uh i was like had a brain <laughs> um ian anderson like folded out his belt uh uh <laughs> but it, yeah so it's all just like guys getting used to this new thing and, and they they asked Ian about it after the game and he was very much you know along the like these are the new rules this is what happens you know yada yada like it is what it is it's fine um it's just you could tell that like guys are slightly uncomfortable it's like with that like, awkwardness. It's just, yeah. yeah it's just it's just weird where because uh, and then, DeGrom said, and Anderson the same, that um, I think it was the fourth inning that umpires checked him again, and then checked all bullpen, all relievers, Mm. Uh, and so, you know, as they're kind of awkwardly implementing this, which, like you said, I want to rehash stuff, but I still think it's the wrong approach, Uh, I think there's a much better, better way to handle it, and I think the the one thing that players keep emphasizing that we aren't putting enough attention on is you are changing this in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Like it's just who who does this? You know, it's, it's uh, Major League Baseball does because they don't do it anything well. Uh, but <laughs> it's just uh, yeah, it's such an awkward thing that we're literally watching unfold in front of us because guys are like oh all right guess this is the new thing to get used to uh but i did find it after what i said last week about uh, we might need to keep an eye on charlie morton because he's had his highest spin rate this year and then he went out and had that performance mm-hmm. and i was like lips are sealed yeah well to gonna-
0: <laughs> well uh the other thing I, we closed out the podcast very briefly because there was so much to talk about last week we're like Tucker Davidson has been great. Uh we'll t- we'll talk about we'll talk about him next week. And then of course that night well, we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That night leaves with the, with the with the forearm strain which honestly it felt at the time and like until they put out an official statement it seemed like it was going to be worse honestly. Yeah. Um, than, than what it turned out to be, which was just some some tightness and irritation. But I do wonder if that has anything to do with trying to grip the ball better. And I, I continue to wonder if we're going to see, because we've already seen uh, who was the uh, the other pit, um, the uh, Glass now had, had yeah, the big, the big comment now. about partially
2: tearing his UCL. Well, um, and, and he made so much sense with it because he was like, you're now having to grip it harder. Right, yeah. And so that torque that's, that's coming what, from when you pitch the those... ball
0: more of those tendons right there
2: yeah the he forearm. Glassnow was one who said like after his first few pitches of throwing the ball he was like i i was waking up muscles that i knew wor- shouldn't be working as hard <laughs> as they are because i'm just having i'm having to put so much pressure on the ball to make sure it doesn't slip out which then goes back to feed alonzo's point of uh you know all right are we gonna start seeing guys Get hit more,
0: and and it sounded like to me his thing was like if you just introduce this rule in an off season going into a new season, then you can slowly progress and you know he talks about waking up those muscles. You can actually develop that over a you know um, a pitching regimen uh, while while you get ramped up. But to have to suddenly change and still be as effective as you normally are, I mean that's where issues are going to come from. And I do wonder if we will start to see. You know we're still in the very beginnings of this. If you know guys make three four or five starts without the substance if we do start to see more guys leaving games with forearm tightness um and 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 potentially even worse injuries and if that does come to fruition i think major league baseball will have no choice but to po- like say okay you can go back to it and we'll, we'll revisit this uh we'll, we'll put it into effect next year because that's something you just can't have happen if players are starting to get injured because they aren't able to grip the baseball like they normally should
2: we'll see but here's here's the problem joe <laughs> Major League Baseball, I I said it last week, Major League Baseball, not mature enough to handle this in a responsible way and, you know, come up with some sort of solution instead of creating a new problem from a problem, you know, is when two wrongs don't make a right. Mm -hmm. I don't see Major League Baseball coming out this strong and the support that they've gotten because, like, look, I love a lot of, you know, a lot of Major League Baseball writers and especially the national ones. Um, you know, some great guys, but the way that they've sucked up to this decision being made by major league baseball, yes, for, you know, major league baseball being firm, cracking down on a problem that was, you know, that was, it was too big. And so finally, major league baseball is doing something about it. And I'm thinking to your point about, you know, changing this midway in the season, guys potentially getting hurt. Are we creating two separate seasons? Then by doing this, like, are we headed in a way where we think the Braves are out of it, you know, at at this point? But uh, you know, with guys getting hurt, or is this something that then affects the Braves, where you know, now the Braves we saw you know Tucker Davidson and having a forearm strain sounds very similar to a guy gripping the bar ball too hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this something that then affects them and you know, kind of spirals and causes more problems. Yeah,
0: and that's what I was saying last week. It's like when you throw in some sort of major event that causes volatility in the season, um that can probably it's probably a good thing for the Braves considering they're still sputtering and have not yet gotten going and maybe that volatility can actually break in their favor and and help them going forward from this point in the season. Of course, it could go the other way, but if it goes the <laughs> other way, it's kind of just exacerbating the already kind of poor season that they're already having. So I think it could it could be a, a definite game changer in terms of the trajectory that not just the Braves but all teams have um going forward from this point in the season. So it'll be interesting to track.
2: Joe, where do we where do we go from here? I mean, obviously finishing out the Mets series this week, going to Cincinnati and playing a team that I mean, you look you you, you just go by record, you go uh, are where they at in their division you're like oh they're they're fourth in their division. like this isn't going anywhere but like they have one more win the i know braves. they have a better record than the braves technically yeah <laughs> so like and then you're right back at the mets and that following up with the marlins like okay now you're hard hit hard hit division um where i, I think
0: i think that this is the most pivotal probably two week stretch of the season that the braves will have um because I think again, because when you look at the opponents, you play what seven games against the Mets, um, between with the Reds in between. That the the way, however, you come out of that, whether you win a bunch of them or lose a bunch of them, or maybe even split, like wh- whatever happens, you're gonna have so much more information as to where you need to go, how much you're going to need to have improved by the end of the season. That I think it will be very instructive on how what the Braves have to do, especially around this kind of, I keep on calling it the trade deadline, but this trade or the trade window, but like the trade deadline, you know, time, this hot stove season in terms of what kind of moves they want to make. Do that? can they will adding a bullpen arm or two be enough? Do they need to go out there and get a, you know, make a splash for an outfielder? I tend, I tend to think that they do need to add an outfielder, whether they do it in this trade period or in the off season remains to be seen. But um, I think that, yeah, this is going to be such an important two weeks, and then you've got a bunch of games against the Marlins too, which I know we can, you know, you can easily look past the Marlins, but the Braves just lost, you know, uh, not this uh, year. Yeah, I know exactly. And if you lose those games to the Marlins, then that's setting you back even more as well. So um, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. But th- also, those are games where you can take advantage, and maybe it puts you in an even better position when you come out of them. You just don't know yet, and so it's just going to be. Fascinating to see how they how they do come out of it. But I also think that what we're seeing already this season is you're seeing the Braves uh, get good evaluations on lots of players. We've seen Bryce Wilson make lots of starts, more than he's ever pitched in the major leagues. Tucker Davidson's come up and proven some things. They're looking at Kyle Muller right now. We're seeing William Contreras and what he can do, you know, so positives and negatives on both sides. But I do think that if the Braves aren't going to make the postseason this year, they need to get a good look at some of these young players that they have. I think especially if they if they don't trade him and they're out of it, you know, in the second half, I think we'll start to see a lot more Kyle Wright because he's a guy that the Braves need to know exactly what he's going to be able to provide. And so it's you hate to see it because a lot of this is happening out of bad circumstances. Like you don't want to have to be evaluating William Contreras at this point in the season because you want Travis Darnot being in there. But at least that's kind of the the fallback opportunity that you have if you're the Braves.
2: Yeah, well, and for those who are on the, well, the Braves just need to make a couple of trades and then can turn this thing around. Alex Anthopoulos was on the broadcast uh, yesterday on, on Bally and talked about the fact of Another thing to add a wrench to all of this stuff with foreign substances is Major League Baseball changing this rule has made every general manager go, all right, mm-hmm. we'll give this thing a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then take our evaluation of players and pitchers and reevaluate that mm-hmm. because we got to be like, okay, is the guy that we thought we were interested in, are we still interested in him now if he doesn't have stuff? And uh, I, I mean, that just that adds something. Else, another added layer that we probably will end up with not too many trades happening until much closer to the deadline because people are going to draw out those evaluations. And it's like just... Add it to the list of things that that Major League Baseball complicated by by throwing it in. And again, I'll re-
0: reiterate, it's a problem for the Braves because you gotta be the second best team in baseball, essentially, from here, on, from today when they play the Mets tonight to the rest of the season. And they're the, you know, obviously these games count a huge amount. You've got huge important games coming up in these next couple of weeks, so um, it's a tough one, man. It's so, it's tough, t- such a tough one whether you like stick or twist if you're the Braves in this situation. I think I mentioned, I referred to it last week. as like, piss, do you piss in the wind? You know, it's like, if, <laughs> if, if you have gale force winds coming against you, do you still try to fight that? Um, it's tough. And I'm not saying that you tank or anything, but I don't see this team selling off any pieces at the deadline, but um, no, it's just a tough situation. Yeah. Definitely one. They probably would not have expected themselves to find uh, coming into the
2: season. I agree. Well, when we are back next week, we will Like Joe said, we'll be able to really see where this team is at and and get some more accurate evaluations of this Braves team. We thank you all for watching Batter Up on Facebook Live. Please go download the podcast, whether it's on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. For Joe Patrick, I'm Caleb Johnson. Have a great day.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.